This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Feels good. Hello, how are you? What the hell was up with the rain this past weekend? That was, I've never seen anything like that, I think, uh, ever. I don't know, sustained for two days in a row. I mean, it rains for a little while, then it stops. It was, uh, and actually the flooding somehow wasn't that bad. It was kind of weird all around. Uh, welcome back. The work week. Hey, May 1st. It's a day for new beginnings. I, I love, I love it, especially when it's on a Monday. You know, it's, it's a clean break, all right? If you're not doing well in your New Year's resolutions, please join me. Uh, I took a look at myself in the mirror today. You know, I'm running. I talk about that. I brag about that. I'm running faster. I'm getting, you know, all that stuff. I'm also eating like, uh, <laughs> I'm eating like a, whew, like a very hungry person. I guess you, and actually you are made hungrier when you exercise. That's a little bit of a, it's like a catch 22. Yeah, it's good to exercise, but your body craves more nourishment. And uh, I think I'd be a much, I got, I got to lose at least 15 pounds. It's just, I could feel it when I was, and so anyway, um, what is going on? Wonderful event for me. Oh, by the way, and I thank all of you who showed up at the uh, New York Women's Republican Club on 51st Street on Saturday night. What a thrill. So cool to meet uh, all you folks out there uh, gave a little bit of a speech and then some Q&A. And then Carrie Lake was right next to me, right after me. She was a she's amazing. She, quote unquote, lost the governor's race. I don't think so. I do not think so. I actually know so. They stole that election from her. Absolutely. Uh, but the future is very, very bright. Amazing things can come from crummy things. And, uh, oh, they gave me a big picture of Donald Trump, which was at the time, I was like, really nice. It was like kind of great. It's a painting from him back in The Apprentice, but it's six feet tall. I don't know what to do with it. It's not really suitable for your home. Can't put Donald Trump in your, right, in the living room. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Hey, did you see? All right, there's a big story about Jeffrey Epstein. Remember, this guy who's, oh, by the way, in my opinion, I strongly believe is still alive somewhere. Absolutely not dead. Not only did he not kill himself, nobody killed him. He is alive on some private island, another private island, somewhere with that kind of money and that kind of influence and that kind of clout. I mean, this guy could meet, get a meeting with anybody in the world, despite the fact of being a convicted child molester. Now, that is one hell of a thing to go around with, right? A convicted Child molester, you're on a sex offenders list. You've got to register as a sex offender. It's a big, 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 big deal. Uh, however, he was able to get a meeting with Bill Gates, with this executive, that executive, Bill Clinton, all these people after, after he was fooling around with 14 year old girls. That's a big problem. Look, I've said it before. No one is uh, beyond redemption. And if you wanted to see Jeffrey Epstein to talk about the error of his ways or help him to get back on his feet. 
That's one thing. But the guy was, not only was he on his feet, he was on top of the Empire State Building. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Why would anybody want to meet with him? I guess there are two things. One, money. Two, access to the girls. Access to the girls. And everybody knew he still kept those young girls around. Shockingly young women in his company. You know, I saw him once at a at a Broadway show. And I'm like, what the freaking hell are you doing here? I gave him a dirty look. That's my, I just came, it's like, mm. he was dressed like Jerry Seinfeld. He was dressed very 90s, faded, faded, baggy, uh, blue jeans. And, uh, but I'm like, I was appalled, quite frankly. And the idea, this is the new thing. The director of central intelligence was meeting with the guy after the conviction. The present director of central intelligence, the CIA. Let's see, right here, Wall Street Journal. The nation's spy chief, a longtime college president, and women in finance, top women in finance, the circle of people who associated with Jeffrey Epstein year after he was convicted, uh, I'm sorry, years after he was a convicted sex offender, is wider than previously reported, according to a trove of documents that include his schedules. William Burns, who right now is the director of the Central Intelligence Agency since 2021, had three meetings scheduled with Epstein in 2014, when his deputy secretary of state, he was deputy secretary of state, the number two person in the department. They first met in Washington, D.C., and then Mr. Burns visited Mr. Epstein in his townhouse in Manhattan. This is the number two guy at the State Department. There are like 30,000 people who work at the State Department. He's the second in charge. He comes up to New York to go to Jeffrey Epstein's house, the home of a convicted child molester. Um, that's very, very weird. Okay, <laughs> now uh, the, the there's a denial, not really. A, it's a non-denial denial from the Central Intelligence Agency. I'll get to that in a second. Let's see here. Catherine Rumler, a White House counsel under President Barack Obama, had dozens of meetings with Epstein in the years after her White House service and before she became a top lawyer at Goldman Sachs Group in 2020. He also planned for her to join a 2015 trip to Paris and a 2017 visit to Epstein's private island in the Caribbean. Leon Botstein, the president of Bard College, invited Epstein, who brought a group of young female guests to the campus. Noam Chomsky, a professor, author, and political activist, was scheduled to fly with Epstein to have dinner at Epstein's Manhattan townhouse in 2015. These are all wacko liberals, though, by the way. Okay, These are total, total liberals. I want to skip down to the, uh, okay, Mr. Burns. This is the CIA guy. He is right now the head of the Central Intelligence Agency. Mr. Burns met with Epstein about a decade ago as he was preparing to leave government service, said CIA spokeswoman Tammy Kupperman Thorpe. The director did not know anything about him, other than he was introduced as an expert in the financial services sector and offered general advice on transition to the private sector. They had no relation general advice on transition to the private sector. Like what? Have a good resume? Polish your shoes? Uh, firm handshake? What the hell was this guy telling? The, 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 the deputy secretary of state, what kind of help did he need getting a job? This is so unbelievably sketchy. Very, very. And uh, let's see here. The director did not know anything about him. Well, that's in 2011. I knew that Jeffrey Epstein was a convicted sex uh, offender. I knew that. And I knew that in 2008. I remember where I was, actually. I remember I was in a, I was actually read the, I was on vacation in Florida and I was in a little swimming pool and I read the whole story. It was like a big deal. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? 
And I do remember reading about him in the, the New York Magazine story about five years earlier. This mysterious rich guy, uh, good-looking guy, in good shape, uh, you know, and, and hung around a lot of young girls. Well, he was convicted of getting sex massages from 14-year-old girls. That's a big problem. He got a sweetheart deal where he didn't really even have to show up to jail. He was officially sentenced to jail, but he basically didn't go. It was like show up and it was like punch your clock here uh, two hours on a Saturday afternoon and you're good. Mr. Epstein, that had the nerve of this guy, huh? He did not know. He did not know anything about him. Well, check the number two guy in the State Department. By the way, what's up with that job? All these swamp jobs. But you know who the other deputy secretary of state was who met with a sketchy figure? Tony Blinken. Tony Blinken in the Obama administration, was number two at the State Department, and he dropped everything to go meet with Hunter Biden. Hunter sent him an email. Hunter Biden. Uh, do you have time for coffee? Absolutely. Name the place. I'm there. I'm there. Talk about a swamp, huh? This is, um, uh, let's see if there's anything else here. It's just sketchy. It's really, and it makes me a little bit angry. You know, I have actually, there are people who go through hell, and I think people who well, they put people through hell. If you're a sex offender, convicted, and that conviction stands, you put somebody through hell. Uh, but as I said, no one's beyond redemption. And you know what? There's the halfway house. There's a road back, kind of. But do you start at the executive suite, Goldman Sachs? Do you have access to the deputy secretary of state, uh, the central intelligence agency, the head of Microsoft? How about George Stephanopoulos? Oh, by the way, George Stephanopoulos hung around with uh, convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Did he really need a free meal that bad? <laughs> Talk about swamp. All right, so what happened in Texas, by the way? Did you see this? A madman who happened to be here illegally from Mexico shot up his neighborhood and killed five people, including a nine-year-old boy. And he was here illegally, and they can't find him now. That's a problem. Do you remember when Donald Trump said when he came down the escalator, when he's talking about people from Mexico, some of them, some of them who are coming from Mexico illegally are murderers and they're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. A totally true statement that they just lost their mind over in the fake news. That was a big deal about Trump. If he would say something true, they just couldn't handle it. Uh, and gosh, telling the truth is like picking money up from off the floor. Did anybody see the, uh, well, we got to catch this guy. Mayorkas yesterday was like the, 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 the Department of Homeland Security Secretary. That guy looks to me like a dead man walking, a total dead man walking. Hey, did anybody listen to the White House Correspondents' Dinner? It was sickening. We have any sound from the White House, the White House thing? I mean, just a little bit here and there. They gave each other so many awards. So they even gave somebody an award for breaking the news about the Roe v. Wade leak. Remember the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision? Well, somebody got a great big trophy for writing that story. And that night, they're getting a trophy. And, oh, by the way, Supreme Court justices, their lives were put in jeopardy because of that leak. But the fake news, they don't care. And there they are talking about how we well, we speak truth to power and we hold those in power. We keep them accountable. What the hell are they talking about? It's a love fest with Joe Biden. 
You know, to this day, no one has asked Joe Biden to his face about the laptop, other than Donald Trump. Okay, Donald Trump. You mean the laptop is Russia, Russia, Russia? He is the only one. And how many years ago was that now? Three years ago. And we've known about that laptop. And no one can get a question in. Nobody has the guts to ask Joe Biden about the laptop, which he lied about. Now up and down, backwards and forwards. And this guy thinks he's going to skate to re-election. Well, I don't think he's going to be reelected, but right now he is skating. They let that guy just kind of do whatever he wants. Hey, let's see what else. Uh, RFK. I got to tell you, I like RFK. He's uh, he's impressive. He's interesting. He's got a really crazy voice, but right now he's polling at 20%. 20%. That's going to screw up Joe Biden big time. And his influence is growing. Uh, RFK Jr., People are listening. They like him. He's a Democrat. This is going to give Joe Biden a huge problem. The fake news said all yesterday during those crummy Sunday shows, uh, this is not going to be an issue. This is not going to be an issue for Joe. Who the hell are they to say that? Why is it that they always know things? They just, they, they always think that they, why do they even go, why do they even bother to ask anybody a question? You ever notice how Chuck Todd always seems to have the answers, right? He always knows. And he's always kind of putting words. This is what you should be saying right now. This is the position you should have on on transgender stuff. And by the way, at one point, the comedian at the White House Correspondents Dinner said, uh, "Hey, you all need to stop talking about the uh, drag queens grooming children. You all need to stop that. Drag queens grooming children. They're not doing that." And you know what happened in the room? Everybody broke out in applause. They're, what? sane person can think that that's a good thing the drag queen showing up in in school what saint how crazy how criminally insane was the person who came up with this in the first place and for those who defend it which is all of the fake news enemy of the people underlined exclamation point give me a moment please Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, we have that guy. All right, here he is. He's not unfunny. Uh, Ron Wood Jr. Nobody ever heard of him, uh, but he was he was he was uh, gentle. But he had some good ones. This I thought is very interesting. The crowd's response. Listen to what he has to say here. Go ahead. And also, speaking of drag queens, can can we stop? with the grooming stuff. Can you stop talking about that? Drag queens are not at a school to groom your kids. Stop it. Stop it. Stop for a second. Why the hell would they be there otherwise? (laughs) That the fact that they're in the school's period should be sparking all kinds of outrage. And there they are. Woo! Now, this is the part of the joke. Uh, this This is where he tells a joke, and I don't get it. Go Keep going with it, okay? If they were... Most of them kids going to get shot at school. It ain't no problem. And also. Oh, I, I, did he say they're going to get shot at school? All right, that's horrendous. Uh, and then everyone's groaning. He says, well, pass some, why don't y'all pass some legislation? That would work. Uh, not good. Not good. But other than that, he had a, he had a couple of moments. What are you doing? What do you keep doing that for? Is there something else I should listen to? I keep hearing it. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm so glad I didn't go to that White House Correspondents Dinner. You know, I've gone before. I have. And it's uh, it's like high school. Picture a high school dance. 
and you got the football team and you got uh, the cheerleaders and you got this. Uh, it's just, oh, and there's a pecking order, a social pecking order. And in comes the president. The last time I went was in 2004. First and last time. I think I went more than that. I think I went back maybe once. No, I was there in 2003 and 2004, and this is my last time there. Yeah, George W. Bush joking about not finding weapons of mass destruction. So this is less than a, this is about a year after the invasion. Oops, oops, no weapons of mass destruction. And how many people have died and will die because he said he and Dick Cheney got the whole damn swamp to break it, back them up, that there were weapons of mass destruction. And then they joke about it. Cut 27, please. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. Nope, no weapons over there. Maybe under here. And there are stupid pictures of him, like, looking for, looking for, um, Weapons of mass destruction, as if they'd be under a couch or under his desk in the Oval Office. He's looking around for it. Just terrible. What a terrible guy. What a terrible swamp. And you hear how everyone's laughing, right? Oh, it's so funny. Well, one of the reasons why it's funny to them is they'll never set foot in Iraq. They'll never actually have to confront it. Um, and very, And nobody they know will ever have to confront it either. So few people serve in the military as a kind of a proportion of the country. During World War II, it was like 20%. 20% of America served in the military during World War uh, II. And then it went down to like 16% in Vietnam. Now it's like 0.9%, if that, 0.8%. It's been delegated to a professional military, which is getting woker by the second, oh, by the way. So nobody cares. They do care, however about the woke stuff, which is totally out of control. You know you can't say sir in the Marine Corps anymore? Sir or ma'am, it's considered sexist. How the hell are they going to communicate? It's a real problem. Give me a moment, please. Many thanks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, did you hear about that police officer? Uh, he died 33 years after being shot. He was in a coma. NYPD Detective Troy Patterson dies after spending 33 years in a coma. A hero NYPD detective from the post here who was shot uh, over... $20 while washing his car in Brooklyn in 1990 has died after spending more than three decades in a coma, law enforcement sources told the Post on Sunday. 
Officer Troy Patterson was just 27, newly engaged and off-duty when he was ambushed by three armed thugs looking for a few bucks outside PS3 in Bedford-Stuyvesant. The then six-year department veteran who had already racked up seven commendations for police work at the time was shot in the head with a 38 caliber pistol during the botched robbery. The panicked suspects fled after the shooting, leaving Patterson's wallet at the scene. The hero cop, who had been washing his car at a fire hydrant three blocks from his home when shot, remained in a vegetative state until he died Saturday night, sources said. Patterson was promoted to detective in 2016. The three suspects, Vincent Robbins, Tracy Clark, and Darian Crawford, were later arrested in the unprovoked shooting. Robbins, now 53, was convicted of assault and attempted robbery charges and sentenced to a prison term of 5 to 15 years. He was released in 2000. Clark, the alleged gunman in the shooting, also went to trial in the case. The outcome of the case is not immediately available, nor are any details of the charges against Crawford. Damn. It's like, I guess this is before uh, the Internet and computers. What? A rep for the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office said Monday the case was now under review. Although Patterson never regained consciousness, New York's finest never forgot the Brooklyn cop. Detective Troy Patterson was a hero of New York uh, who inspired hundreds of fellow detectives to continue his courageous, important crime-fighting work, said Paul DiGiacomo, head of the Detectives Endowment Association. Troy's legacy will forever be one of service and sacrifice. The DEA will ensure he and his family are never forgotten, the Detectives Endowment Association NYPD Assistant Chief Judith Harrison had said during a vigil for Patterson in January 2022, we come here every year to honor his life, to celebrate his life, and to let his family and to let him know we will not forget. The police department, he was saying, we will not forget. But when we gather here, what we do is put action behind those words. So we're here to celebrate Troy. We're here hoping for a miracle more than 20, 30 years later. Wow, what a terrible thing, huh? And all of those guys, in another report, all of them are out of jail. I mean, killing a cop and getting out of jail, right? What about life without parole, huh? What about the death penalty? Anyway, looked like a really solid guy, nice guy, all kinds of pictures here with his boy and, and just the tough stuff, tough stuff. I I got to say, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. And, oh, they tracked down one of the the family of one of the three involved, maybe even the killer himself. And you know what she said? The mother said, oh, we thought he died. We thought he died a long time ago. We thought he died a long time ago. Um, and by the way, gosh, you know, the police department, they always had it right in terms of race. You know, it just people in the department, people in New York City, actually, look, we've had our ups and downs when it comes to race, but we really were in a great place. For a long time, until de Blasio came around and just ripped it all apart. And there are race hustlers out there looking to separate us, divide us, get each other, get us at each other's throats. You know, there's something in my book. I actually raised this, and yeah, I, I, I remember doing a reading. My book is available, by the way, everywhere. Uh, have you gotten your copy yet? Greg Kelly, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Now, listen to me on this, okay? Listen to me. Some people have been appalled when I say this out loud. I don't care, all right? It works, It's and it's true. It's true. It's not, I'm not, I'm not busting on anybody here. 
Well, except liberals. Okay, I'll get to the liberals in a moment. Um, and this is just a statement of fact. There are white people in this country who never really mix with people of other races, sometimes because of geography, sometimes just by circumstance or choice. But that wasn't my family. I had black friends. My parents had black friends. I remember visiting my father downtown and a motorcycle officer, a black guy, gave me a ride on his bike. I loved it. And I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. It's funny that saying I have black friends has become to sneering liberals the evidence that someone is racist. But the fact is that the type of people who serve in the military, play sports, drive trucks, or otherwise work with their hands tend to interact with people of different races more frequently and consistently than white liberals who make this obnoxious inference. Hmm? It's true. And during this era, by the way, back on this is I was kind of touching on the 1970s in my childhood, there were so many police funerals. In those days, a lot more cops were shot and killed than they are today. In 1972, there was a famous assassination of two NYPD officers that has faded from memory. Gregory Foster and Rocco Lorre were young guys, black and white, in their early 20s patrolling the East Village. Today, Avenue B and 11th Street is tony and expensive with million-dollar apartments and wine bars. But 50 years ago, Alphabet City was basically one of the worst neighborhoods in New York. Foster and Lori were approached from behind by suspected members of the Black Liberation Army who shot them dead and stole their guns. The BLA was a radical terrorist group that sought to take up arms for the liberation and self-determination of black people in the United States. They were implicated in 70 acts of violence in the early 70s and the murder of 13 police officers. But who remembers them today? Gregory Foster was only 22. His murder left behind a widow and two children. His grandson, also named Gregory Foster, today works at the 9th Precinct and wears his grandfather's badge number. Rocco Lurie was 23. His wife, Adelaide, described her husband's murder as a wound that will never heal. The officers' murders and funeral were a big deal. There's a famous picture of their widows sitting side by side, grieving, clutching wooden shields, commemorating their slain husbands. The picture of the two young widows, one black, one white, united in their grief, was splashed all over the papers and expressed a key message. The forces of chaos, disorder, and division may disguise themselves as movements of liberation, but their victims come from all walks of life. The idea of a thin blue line that protects society from the depredations of the criminal element has a truth to it. And that also means that the law enforcement officers may have different skin color, but they all bleed blue. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you like that. Available wherever books are sold, but uh, eh, that's tough stuff. I can't believe I coma. Who remembers Karen Ann Quinlan? Remember the Karen Ann Quinlan story? It always made me very, very uh, worried about taking pills and alcohol at the same time. That that, that can put you in a coma as well. All right, let's go to uh, Sandra in New Jersey. Hi. Good afternoon, Greg. It was a very, very nice event on Saturday. A lot of people showed up. You were great. Well, thank you for coming. I saw you there. Thank you so much. Great to see you. I was very um, impressed with Carrie Lake. She's really a powerful force and uh, very charismatic and so pretty. Um, she took so many questions as you did. It was just just a very, very, very nice event. And um, 
Yeah, I was happy that I came. Well, me too. It was great to see you there, friendly face there in the front row. You wore a hat. I didn't. I didn't recognize you there for a moment, uh, but absolutely beautiful. And thank you. You got home all right, obviously. Yes, Uh-oh. I left a little early. All right, the, we went out to dinner. All right. The uh, doctor sounds like he needs uh, some love and care. So thank you very much, Sandra. Okay. Okay. To be continued for sure. And um, yeah, it was really nice. Actually, a lot of you guys came. I started talking about it on the radio. And then the phone started ringing like crazy over there at the New York Women's Republican Club. And uh, I'm uh, very grateful to all of you who, uh, who who turned out. You know, you do when you show up to these things, you wonder, is there going to be enough people? You know what I mean? It's like it would be embarrassing if there are like six people and they're all your friends. Although about six friends of mine did come and it was great to see them. Um, hey, have we gotten the – no, we haven't actually. We have not yet. I all For about four days now, I keep hearing we're about to get the – the manifesto of the shooter and uh, the shooter in Nashville, but we haven't gotten it yet. Also today, Hunter Biden in court in Arkansas. Man, what a deadbeat. Literally a deadbeat. All right. You know, he has an unacknowledged child. It's his. Biologically, Hunter Biden is the father of little Navy Blue. That's her name. So Hunter, about nine years ago or so, hooks up with a stripper and gets her pregnant. And the young lady decides to have the child, and that's a life is a beautiful choice, they say, right? Yet Hunter uh, doesn't want to take responsibility, and this poor woman has to basically get him into a courtroom and force him to take a paternity test. He finally takes it; it's his biologically, the DNA, it all lines up. He's got a he's got a child that the Biden family will not acknowledge. In fact, he's legally challenging uh, that young girl, trying to prevent her from using, trying to prevent the granddaughter, his daughter, Joe Biden's granddaughter, from using the name Biden. You can't be a Biden. And Joe's always, you know, yelling and screaming, boasting about all the grandkids. He did it again on Saturday night about is he talking about some grandkid he has at some Ivy League school. What about this kid in Arkansas? What about this child in Arkansas? Why is he in court? Oh, by the way, he wants to lower the uh, the child payments, what do you call it? Child support, child support payments. He wants to lower that and he claims financial uh, distress. You know what? To top it all off, it sounds to me like Hunter Biden is a cheap bastard, quite frankly. Uh, this guy was at many millions of dollars, many, many million. Some of this artwork, this is selling for a half million dollars. He flies around in Air Force One. He overnights at the, at the White House. He hangs out with some of the richest people in the world, some of whom have been known to give him extraordinary gifts. A buddy of his gave, paid his uh, tax bill to the IRS, $2.8 million. Poof, went away. How about somebody writing this woman a check? If you don't want to, if you don't want to raise her, if you can't be relied on month to month, give her a whopping great big check. Joe Biden, he should be shamed into acknowledging this woman. How these reporters can just let this sleaze off the hook. And by sleaze, I mean Joe Biden, the president. Absolutely. Becky in Oregon, welcome back. How are you? Hi, Greg. Um, yesterday I was watching Greg Kelly this week. and I've never actually seen that show. It's like the highlight show, right? Yes, it is. Is it good? Do they do it a good job on it? I don't watch it. Ugh. You know it. You know it's the best. They take all the good stuff and they put it together. All right. So what happened on my show? Tell me. Yeah, it's a little, it's condensed. Okay. 
so I'm not asking you to speculate. Remember that. Okay, because the Ashley Babbitt shooting was so mysterious, you know, she was unarmed and on and on, all that stuff that we've said, you've said so many times. Did it ever, I just want to know if it ever occurred to you when they were planning that setup for all, you know, that they had to kind of make a symbol of somebody so that actually, because it just, it occurred to me, and now I'm wondering is like, is this obvious or am I late to the party with this thought or what? But I just thought they, they decided to shoot somebody and that cop decided, you know, like the, that they had the planning meetings. And I mean, I, I just never thought of that before. Did that ever occur to you? Uh, Did oh, they have that plan? I'm going to speculate here, but I absolutely think that they may have uh, intended to kill somebody so they could always say it was a deadly insurrection. Now, they're always calling it a deadly insurrection. The only person who died that day uh, were January 6th protesters, uh, Ms. Boylan, and uh, although she may have not died till the next day. But Ashley Babbitt was killed, and I think that was very – it was key to them, key, that they call this a deadly insurrection, and you needed a dead woman on your hands. There is absolutely no defending that killing, none, zero. You can't. It's indefensible. And for the whole damn system, Speaker McCarthy as well, the officer was doing his job. So this was – this may have been – and I am speculating. I do not know uh, – I do know that she was totally unarmed and it was totally unjustified. But yes, that they needed to, um, they needed to kill somebody so they could say it was deadly. And also so that they would stop the objections to the vote. You had to kill somebody so the objections would stop. It wasn't the electoral count, the counting of the electoral votes that the protesters wanted to stop. They didn't want to stop anything. But the people, the, the deep state, the swamp, and a lot of Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, they wanted to stop the objections. So that poor girl, huh? She's going to get justice someday. I can't wait for it to happen. She's going to be restored. Do you know the Air Force? She served honorably in the Air Force, and the Air Force denied her military honors. You know, you could have served six months in the Marine Corps, six months in the Air Force. You get a military funeral. You do. And they deprived her of that. And there are a couple of other things that they're supposed to do by law. And we're going to see to it one way, shape, or form uh, that Ashley Babbitt is appropriately honored and recognized. Thank you very much. I'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, what the hell happened to white people in commercials, right? They're still banned? That ban's still in effect? White people overnight lost their interest in, uh, in beer, pharmaceuticals, uh, 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 home care, uh, <laughs> dental hygiene, uh, pickup trucks, autom- <laughs> just everything, everything. You don't see them anywhere anymore. Uh, I would probably agree that there was some underrepresentation before George Floyd, but this is a little bit, uh, this is a little bit over the top. I mean, totally. Hey, banks are in the news again. You heard about First Republic. So, uh, JP Morgan Chase bought the bank, right? 
So I went to J.P. Morgan Chase's website, and um, it's got one white person on the website, um, the guy who owns the company, <laughs> the guy who runs it, Jamie Dimon. Everybody else is a uh, is uh, is uh, is a woman uh, or a person of color or a person of color, a woman, a female person of color, you name it. And that's fine to a point. I mean, doesn't diversity mean uh, everybody, right? Diversity <laughs> – I mean, no, I guess it doesn't mean white people. Is that it? Is that it? Well, for advertisers, they have totally over all of the banks, by the way. I looked at the, I looked at Citigroup just out of curiosity. This, it just got me started. And it's a, it's a perfect kind of example because the guy at the very top, he's white, right? But to maintain his status, maintain his power, maintain his position, he's got to decorate the office with all this stuff. Okay. Basically. All right. And it's an optics thing. Um, I, Good for those people. Again, I will say there was underrepresentation, um, but what about now underrepresentation? Quite frankly, of white uh, men, white men in particular. Hey, something else. I guess uh, what's going on with Tucker Carlson? Is he going to be emperor or what? I mean, she's all. I mean, the most important man who ever lived. Suddenly, I'm I'm finding out Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson and his show. I like Tucker Carlson. I like the show. Uh, he's a force for good. He's a very, very significant figure, actually. And he was on this radio show, and I, 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 look, he could be president someday. At the same time, he's not yet president, okay? He has a TV show that got canceled. Granted, it should not have been canceled. And it's blowing up in Fox's face big time. They totally miscalculated here. Um, although maybe this is part of their calculation. I mean, they hate Trump. All right. They will do anything to stop. I'm talking about the News Corp, Murdoch's, a good chunk of corporate America. And I haven't been able to connect the dots yet. Although I guess you don't have to be too uh, smart to do that. You can just look at Chuck Schumer yelling his head off about Tucker last month. But here's the thing. Uh, they're trying out a new guy on Tucker's show. And his name is Lawrence Jones. And uh, this got me thinking. I'm sorry. You know, I usually don't... Uh, I'm colorblind, right? Oh, you can't say that either anymore, right? You can't be colorblind. That's racist too, believe it or not. But they have this young man, Lawrence Jones, and is he getting the job? Is he going to be the, is he the permanent Tucker? I can't, I don't think so. This is just a tryout, right? Put him in the slot for a little while. Well, he's 30 years old. He's been at Fox News for five years. And quite frankly, that's not enough experience to uh, be hosting a primetime commentary show on the biggest cable news network. It's just not, period. You know, you look at uh, Tucker Carlson, before he got that job, all the stuff that he did since the 1990s, when did they elevate him to that spot? 2017, 2018, I think? 2018. And he succeeded O'Reilly. Tucker Carlson had primetime jobs at CNN, MSNBC, uh, he had started his own magazine website. Uh, the guy, and he was in his late forties. If not, he might have been fifty. No, late forties. He was like forty-eight, forty-nine years old. And O'Reilly before him. When did he? When did the factor start? It started when Fox News started, right? Nineteen ninety-six. Now you look at O'Reilly's career, and I think it, at that point O'Reilly must have been in his late forties as well. And O'Reilly had been everywhere. He had worked at CBS News. He had worked, I believe, at ABC News, uh, a major big deal correspondent. He had anchored Inside Edition, written a bunch of books, uh, you know, a very big deal. I'm sorry, but this Lawrence uh, Jones is a nice guy. Maybe in 10 years, give him a shot. 
but they're they're doing it now, and I think it's because they're getting very very sensitive to the criticism about what they did to Tucker. And this is a way to turn off that criticism because some people, yes, oh, believe it or not, this is done. Yes, it is. They'll hide behind a black person, okay, a person of color. White executives will t- will find the nearest black person they can and put them out in front and hide. And that's what's happening here. No disrespect to Lawrence Jones. He's got a big future, but he's not ready for this. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. What did I hear? The Empire State Building is 92 years old today. Huh? Empire State Building. Whatever happened to the Empire State Building? You don't see it anymore. I mean, it's like it's like the eighth tallest building in New York now. Uh, whatever, whatever. What are you going to do? I like the lights on top. I went to the top of it as a little kid coming in with my dad from Baldwin. We took the train in. It was so exciting. And there's a picture of me on the observation deck. Little nervous kid. I always had the most anxious look on my face. But I remember, I was five years old, I remember those pants. I remember I had these plaid pants and this white sweater with stripes on the side. Anyway, it was such a cool trip. And um, Empire State Building, yeah, I used to love that. We used to go to the World Trade Center, and they had this little saying, they had a poster we bought, and it's taken from the very, very top by a helicopter. And the saying was, it's hard to be down when you're up. Get it? You know, it's hard to be in a bad mood. It'll fix your mood by going to the top of the World Trade Center. And But I took it as so literally as a kid. I remember at five, you know, like, wait, what does that way? It's hard to be down when you're up. Yeah, that's deep. I remember thinking that that was deep somehow. You couldn't be in two places at the same time. Uh, you know, for a little while, I think Trump owned owned the Empire State Building, at least a great big chunk of it. He owned a great big chunk of the Empire State Building. All right. Um I have to – oh, you know what? I was talking about race, and uh, somebody said, you're giving that guy too hard a time. And um, it's really nothing against him. I think the resume – I think the resume still counts for something. Sometimes you got a guy with a weak resume, but, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. He's off the charts, talented. All right, you know. And then you kind of bend over backwards to get him or her the right position so they can grow and, and someday be worthy of the job, or at least you could give the job and – but I'm sorry, that kid's just not ready. He's got uh, time to go. He should be well, he's 30 years old. What's the rush? Filling in for uh, for Tucker Carlson or trying to take over Tucker Carlson's show. You know, at the same time, I actually know what it's like to be judged on things you can't control. And it's a terrible feeling. It really is. I was um, out in Los Angeles and I had this uh, television show, quite frankly, I was trying to sell and... Uh, it was a great show, and we met with all the right people. And, man, the quality of this thing was uh, undeniable. It was just – it spoke for itself. It was really cool. Um, but as far as my involvement, mm, you're not quite the flavor of the month, if you know what I mean. No, what? Well, you know. What do you mean? What? What? Whatever you need me to do, I'll do. I'll be. I'll be whatever. Uh, mm, we're looking for a bit more diversity. Like, oh, I get it. All right, all right, all right, all right. And that happened a couple of times. One person just said right out, you know what I mean? White guy, you're a white guy. And and take this from another white guy. And he starts to lecture me about how we've done fine in America. We've done fine. We white men, and it's time for us to take a step back. Like, first of all, we, what is this we stuff? We white people? Give me a break. We're all individuals. It means nothing. And I, so 
in a weird way, it gave me a certain amount of empathy. And I know people have gone through far worse. Okay, far, far billions of light years worse than being turned down for a TV show. But um, there is that sting when you're judged on something you can't control. You can't control your gender. You can't get, well, some people say you can. Uh, you can't control your uh, your ethnicity, your race, uh, nor do you want to, oh, by the way. But to be judged on it, that uh, that's not fair. That's That's not American. So we have to stand up and push back. But guess what? We've got fewer allies in this fight as we push back against the insanity. What the hell ever happened to Fox News in addition to getting rid of Tucker? I mean, their problems over there have been systemic and deep for a very, very long time. I saw that they had a great big table at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and that's what most of these people want. They just want access to power, be in the same room with Joe Biden. Ooh, uh, nope, I don't need that. I don't want that. But that's what they want. I mean, listen to this little, when they had Jen Psaki, the worst liar in White House history, White House Press Secretary history, on the Fox News morning show, the daytime show, whatever they call it, Fox News, Newsroom, Fox News, Agenda, Fox News, whatever. It's just the Fox News, right? Listen to this. They, this is when Jen Psaki was the press secretary. Uh, you think they kind of have a crush on her or something? Cut 16, please. Cut 16. Great to have you, and we have so much to cover with you. I want to start with the voting good morning, rules. Good morning to you, Jen. By the way, it's hard to find two Bengal fans in the same room. And <laughs> That's we, right. And we've done it. Can I join the big, party? Big game this weekend. Big game on Saturday. Big, Go big Bengals. We'll be all playing that. And hopefully there will be no breaking news that you have to deal with, Jen, during <laughs> the Bengals not. game. We will try to protect you from Thanks that. Thanks for being here. When the president said, looks at his watch and says, I guess I'll go another 24 minutes. I'm curious what your exact heart rate was at that time. <laughs> I'm a pretty chill person in general. I may not always seem that way in the briefing room, and that's what he's used to. So yeah. Jen, I knew he was yeah. having a good time. Well, I was that's... having a heart attack for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here today. Please come Thank back. You. We'll do it more often. Good, good luck to the Bengals, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Can you imagine uh, if they... If CNN, how they would have treated uh, Sean Spicer or Kaylee McEnany or Sarah Huckabee Sanders, all that, you know, all that chit chat about sports and all that stuff. And, oh, thanks for coming by. Oh, we'll do it again soon. And isn't this fun? And and throw away nonsense questions. No, it doesn't work like that. Uh, the left, they're out for blood. Uh, they mean business all the time. I do think you can be kind of chummy with your with your adversaries. Uh, chummy. I mean, cordial. Cordial. You should be cordial, not chummy. That was way too chummy. Yeah, you shouldn't be chummy. You can be cordial and, you know, manners. But that was that was kind of sickening, wasn't it? Right? Hey, um, remember, they had to get rid of, po- uh, uh, rid of Tucker because uh, he was so tight with Putin. Remember this party line? Cut 18, please. Cut 18. Putin is banking on the fact that he's got Tucker Carlson cheering him on. Kremlin TV, that official state TV in Russia, is now worried that Carlson's um, over over Putin bias, his sort of, you know, you know, love for Putin has gone too far. A vocal group of House Republicans follow the Tucker Carlson model, which is somehow that Vladimir Putin is a good guy here. Wow. Uh, he never said he was a good guy. Uh, Tucker Carlson doesn't like war, endless wars. Wars must be fought occasionally, sometimes. Uh, this is a war that I do believe has nothing to do with us. Look, Ukraine, if it joined NATO, that would be one thing. Nobody is talking about peace. 
Nobody's, you know, who is actually, all right, China, but they're just, they're just screwing with us and having fun. Who's been talking about peace when it comes to Ukraine? Cut 20, please. Shortly after I win the presidency, I will have the disastrous war between Russia and Ukraine settled. It'll take 24 hours. Could you imagine that if it does happen? And I think it could. I re- Look, I hope it ends way before that. Uh, but the, the deep state, the swamp, they do not want it to end. It's good for business. It's good for business. And General Dwight David Eisenhower, he warned us about this 62 years ago. Here he is just three days before he leaves the presidency. This is a famous, famous moment in American history. Probably should be more famous. This is uh, President Eisenhower after eight years in office, cut 21. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. Military-industrial complex. Now, he didn't spell out exactly what that was. He just kind of put the phrase in there, and but we know what it is. It is the deep state. It is these huge multinational firms that make these damn missiles. They want to make more missiles. They want to, and they hire people. They hire ex-secretaries of defense who go on TV and talk about how we must, and they say silly things about Tucker Carlson and how he's a friend of Putin. What about being a friend of peace? What about being pro-peace? I wonder what Eisenhower would have made of of Donald Trump, and I wonder what he would have made of Joe Biden. Now, Eisenhower and Trump have actually a lot in common. Number one, neither one held elective office before becoming president. Eisenhower was the only other guy. He was in the military all of his professional life before becoming uh, – oh, actually, no. He quit the military and became the Columbia University president for a while and then joined the military again. Um, you could do that back then. And what else? Uh, but Joe Biden, that's the military industrial complex for you. He wasn't in the military, but 29 years old, permanent state. That's not, that's not good. And what do you think is going on here? Have you ever heard this call? By the way, did you know that Joe Biden with three days left in office ran over to see, uh, Poroshenko, the president of Ukraine? It's a big world. He's got three days left to hang around the vice president's mansion. And he goes to to Europe to meet with the president of Ukraine. Cut 22. Mr. President, I may have to call you once every couple weeks just to hear your voice. Uh, It's been going on a long time. Now, what the hell does that mean? Why would he ever want to go see that guy, the president of Ukraine, after he leaves? (laughs) Ka-ching! It's a corrupt country, and they love to buy influence. And at that point, Hunter was already on the payroll. Hunter Biden was already being paid. How about that? Um, and Hunter Biden's boss wanted the prosecutor in Ukraine fired. And Joe Biden got the message. And Joe Biden picked up the phone and called the president of Ukraine, the guy he's in love with there. And here he is kind of begging him to do it. Poroshenko, by the way, you can tell who's this tape. This phone call is being taped, and it's being taped by the Ukrainian side. So they'll have dirt on Joe. Cut 23. 
Yesterday I met meet with the General Prosecutor Shoki. Yes. And despite of the fact that we don't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, he doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially asked him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I agree. My question to Joe Biden, of all the countries in the world, of all the prosecutors in those countries, how many, how many did you pick up the phone and say, I want the prosecutor fired? How many other than the one who was investigating your, your son's boss? Something tells me it's a big fat zero. And listen to Joe Biden tell the same story, except he's, uh, He's a little bit more ass-kicking in this. He sounded like the guy who was not in charge in that call. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I agree. You can hear the relief in his voice. And listen to him talk a big game. Cut 24. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. Wow. Tough guy, huh? So if I'm the president of the United States, Donald Trump was president when he said that. That's January of 2018. I would call. I would be like, what the hell is that? He just said that. Is that true? Is he doing that? I want to know. And if I should be talking to the president of Ukraine, I'd be like, is this true? What's going on over there? I mean, before we give you guys uh, much more money, I'm a little bit worried about how it works. What's happening? And that's an okay thing to say. They impeached Donald Trump for that. It's amazing. They impeached Donald Trump just for asking questions about that borderline criminal act, maybe overtly. It was a crime. I don't – you can't do that. You can't uh, shake down a country. You can't – your son's being paid, and they don't like the prosecutor, so you lean on the president as vice president of the United States. You lean on the president of Ukraine to fire the guy. It's, re- it's, it's happening in plain sight. It's all over the place. Oh, and by the way, uh, three days before Joe – left the vice presidency on his trip around the world. He also met with President Xi of China. He's got three days left in office, three days. How about packing up your stuff? How about making sure you don't have any uh, classified documents in your duffel bag? Nope. He had to go run over and meet the president of China again. Cut 25. President Xi's speech was followed by several meetings with world leaders at Davos. Speaking with U.S. Vice President Joe Biden, he called for closer cooperation between the two global heavyweights in pursuit of a long-term and stable relationship that benefits both sides. You think Joe is over there uh, for America, doing work for us with three days left in office, right? He was working for America. He was trying to set up the Trump administration to succeed. Or was he working for himself and Hunter and Jim and Frank? And Haley, and Jill, and Sarah, and all the rest of that, and Naomi, and Finnegan, and all those Bidens, huh? All those Bidens, except the little grandchild that they will not acknowledge. They won't even let her have the name Biden. Actually, that's a blessing. (laughs) That is a blessing, little girl. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
I want to ask you about Border Patrol because the union doesn't like you. Uh, and they make it pretty clear on social media this month uh, and last month, the month before. These are all from Border Patrol, the Border Patrol Union on you. The chickens are going to come home to roost because of what he's done. They call you a national disgrace. Remove Mayorkas was their most recent tweet. Uh, how can you lead a group of people whose union wants you out of office? Uh, Chuck, I'm incredibly proud to work with the United States Border Patrol. I have supported them vigorously since my first day in office. I will continue to do so. A tremendous source of pride. And I will tell you what this. What do you think the disconnect is? Do you think this is, this is media perception? Why, why do you think, why do you think there, is this a political disconnect? Is this a red-blue divide? Just simply that you're, you're in a democratic administration? What do you believe it is? Uh, Chuck, I'm focused on mission. That's what I'm focused on. Uh, I look at their needs. I try to fulfill their needs. I want to ask you about border. You know, imagine if uh, my dad was asked uh, questions and just said, well, I'm focused on crime. Anything else? No, 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 no. no. Can't handle that. Can't handle that. I'm focused on I'm, I'm focused on something else. Well, the police shot somebody. Oh, I'm not focused on that right now. I'm focused on this. No, you got to as an administrator or a professional administrator, you got to be able to handle it all. You got to have something to say. And uh, what else about him right there? That was interesting. Um, hapless, right? Just hapless. He's not. Oh, the big, the big thing they won't forgive at the border patrol is when he called those horsemen, uh, the horse patrol guys, racists. Remember that? Remember the whole country? Even Joe Biden was saying, "Oh my gosh, look at this imagery. It evokes uh, slavery." Just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You never seen a horse. You never been on a horse. You don't have the faintest idea what these guys actually do. A report completely exonerated those guys. They were not whipping anybody uh, except the horse, okay, except the horse. Now, here he is. Everybody's asking about this uh, shooting in Texas done by an illegal person who was coming into the country backwards and forwards, had a long criminal record, should have been at the top of the list for people to, uh, for ICE to, to apprehend, but he wasn't. Go ahead. Um, look, before I start on this, there's been a horrific execution-style shooting down in Texas. Um, authorities uh, are now serving a manhunt right now for somebody who's armed and dangerous. Um, I know you've been monitoring this. DHS is monitoring this. What can you tell us about the alleged suspect, Francisco Oropesa? Chuck, it's a horrific crime, and I can assure you and the American people that law enforcement will deliver accountability. Nothing. The he case. had nothing to offer, nothing at all, just pablum. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Vivek Ramatswamy. He was on Rudy's show last week. He's been on my Newsmax show a couple of times. He's running for president. He's like 37, 38 years old, something like that. Uh, he's worth, they say he's worth a couple hundred million dollars. Good for him. Um, he's an impressive guy, and he has credentials that the the media really, really like. 
he went to Ivy League schools, law school, college, Harvard, I think. And uh, the media really love that stuff. The people don't really care. Um, they just don't. Uh, most uh, most voters think Penn State's a better school than UPenn because of the football team. But um, whatever. He's a smart guy. I like him. He's got a future. I think it's uh, there's a lot of chutzpah running for president at this point. Um, and he's not the only one making the case against woke. I mean, there are plenty of people doing it. They've been doing it very effectively. He does it very effectively as well. I like him. I don't think he's uh, presidential material now, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 15 years. Uh, I actually don't even think he's vice presidential material. He's not there yet. He's not there. You know what he could be is a member of the cabinet. He's like a uh, a Pete Buttigieg, but... Uh, but on but good and not evil, <laughs> competent and not incompetent, uh, diligent and not lazy. All right, and uh, he was very good on the Meet the Press show. Let's see here. Uh, cut one, please. Cut one. Below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers. You're calling it that, transition. but how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know? Are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is... Uh, as binary as you're describing it, are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. Do you know I'm... this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes. If you're a woman, an X and a Y, that means there's you're a man. There's a lot of scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm-hmm. what they're asking for is, you've got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding I, for the last I, I go 100 back years. To this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that, yes. and they have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, because we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it mm-hmm. is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way mm-hmm. to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, yeah. let's not create more of it. Totally brilliant. Man, this guy is eloquent. He's forceful. I, I loved how he just disagreed. And there's so many uh, politicians who will try to appease the questioner somehow. And this guy was having none of it. I disagree. No, you're wrong. And you know what? You don't have to be a scientist to make these uh, decisions. You know, you can be a person. You know what your qualification is? A citizen. This is the thing that citizens need government to do. All right? Protect children. Vivek Ramatswamy. That was very, very good. Now, there's a lot more that goes into being president than doing well on a talk show, all right, and the questions from Tuckshad, Todd. Uh, but he did do very, very well. Keep an eye on him. Vivek, I, I wish I had met him. He was here the other day. He, that was that was actually damn good. Let's hear Let's here he's going off on DeSantis, I think, right? Cut two, cut two. Here's where Ron DeSantis really lost it here. He's gone on the wrong path. This, he claimed, and this part actually sounded good to me, Disney should have never had crony capitalist lobbying-related privileges in the first place. Here's the part he doesn't mention. 
One of those crony capitalist privileges was, and I think the most relevant one, was codified into law by none other than Ron DeSantis in 2021. Mm -hmm. So Florida passed this political anti-discrimination statute, which I applauded at the time, mm -hmm. said if you operate Internet companies, this includes streaming services like Disney does, that you can't engage in viewpoint discrimination. Now, here's the funny, dirty little secret of that. They wrote into a last-minute exception into that law for mm -hmm. anyone who also operates a theme park more than 25 acres in the state of Florida. For, for, yeah, That's for, crony capitalism. And so the irony is Ron DeSantis, who's now railing against crony capitalism and rolling that back, yeah. was the one who actually passed that into law for the case of Disney. So I think that undermines the credibility of his crusade. Good for him. Now, what is going on with DeSantis? So I'm hearing his plan is to... Uh, he wants to get to Super Tuesday in California. California, the Republican primary in California, whenever the hell that is, it's not in February. I think it's in March or even in April. California will go for DeSantis in a big way. This is his calculation, not mine. And uh, somehow it becomes a delegate, a delegate contest. And maybe that's how he beats Trump. Is that what they're thinking? I don't think there's any beating Trump, but, boy, the, the, the swamp, they really, really want it. And this guy, DeSantis, I mean, I think he basically – look, I like Ron, too. Not ready, uh, too weird, too inexperienced, um, and quite frankly, he doesn't have enough money. You need a fair amount of personal uh, resources, financial resources to do this. DeSantis is, uh, has not made his fortune yet, and I don't think – I think you got to take care of your family first before you go for the biggest job in America. Look at Vivek. Vivek made like $500 million. Good for him. All right. You want to take the plunge now? I can deal with that. Hunter in Manhattan. Hunter. Hey, Hunter. It's not the Hunter, is it? Hey. No, no, no. Of course not. Hey, Greg. Uh, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I'm 23. And i got to ask you, why... Our New Yorkers keep electing Democratic politicians. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I know. Somebody Terrible. If you look at the worst areas in the city, they're all Democratic. Every single Brownsville, the worst section of the city, all Democratic. When are they going to learn? It's always been that way, and it's learn? always going to be that way, I'm afraid. And the way they have it rigged, the primaries on the last day of school, Last day of school, so the minimal number of people actually turn out to vote? I don't know. You've been here all your life. What do you think? I have no idea. And, I i mean, I can't believe that. I mean, the last Republican mayor that we had was Giuliani. And look no, how— No, actually, it was Bloomberg. Well, well, you're right. Okay. And even Bloomberg wasn't dreadful. But our last two— What do you mean he wasn't mayors, dreadful? He did a pretty damn good job. Right. I know. All right. And our last two Democratic mayors have been abysmal. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. But David Dinkins was a liberal mayor. He had the highest crime rate in um, history. Giuliani comes in and cleans everything up. Actually, uh, believe it or not, Koch had a higher crime rate. Koch did. And also, also, there's a lot more to crime than just homicides. All right, there's a lot more to crime. And if you look, it's funny actually. You know, Mayor Koch. You know, we all love it. How am I doing? Right? I love Ed Koch. I do, and I got to know him a bit. But uh, uh, the crack epidemic that happened under him, and these are very big, almost global forces at work. 
And it's too easy. I've heard it a million times. Oh, Dinkins this, Dinkins that. You know, Dinkins arranged to expand the police department by damn near a third. Okay. The, uh, crime started to go down in 1992, in part because public pressure, public pressure on Dinkins was really intense. And the newspapers weren't like afraid of offending him. Somehow the newspapers now are afraid of offending Eric Adams. He got to kiss his ass or something like that, especially the New York Post. You know, you might get some, uh, you might get a little bit of uh, blood, sweat, and tears out of him if you actually wrote some nasty stuff about him because, quite frankly, he deserves it. Look at this guy. He's having the time of his life. Cut 13. The aggravated number of grand larceny order continues to drive up uh, our crime in the city. and it, give, it gives the false sense that we're not moving in the right directions when we are. Uh, the false sense. We're moving in the right direction. I can't go to uh I can't go I can't go to certain parts of this city. I can't I can't be on the train for more than two stops without getting really really tense. It gets really tense down there. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. And uh the government is doing a great job. Just ask the government, you know? Just ask the government. I don't like it at all. All right, let me see about this. Uh Maria, you're standing by. Yes, Maria. Hey, Greg, just a comment on the buzz of Lawrence Jones now taking over maybe for uh, for Tucker in the prime 8 p.m. spot on uh, Fox. You know, if I was Jesse Waters, I would really be in plain English pissed. I mean, Jesse Waters has been there a heck of a long time, more than Lawrence Jones, who's a good guy. But you know what? I really don't care because at 8 o'clock when I used to watch Tucker Carlson, I turned to Newsmax and I watch Eric Boland, The Balance, who used to be on Fox. And I can't believe when I watch Newsmax how many former Fox contributors are now on Newsmax. Yeah, there are a few. A there few. are a few. Well, let's see. Me, uh, Schmidt, uh, Bowling, um i got to be more than that. Oh, uh, 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 Bob? Yeah, a whole bunch. You're right. You're right. Uh, look, I had a great time at Fox. I really did. However, and I put this in my book. Do you know I kind of did not fit in there ideologically when I was there? Because my big issue, I mean, I hated the war in Iraq. And back then, if you were a conservative, you were on the side of the, the, the war. Like, the war was a good thing. you got to fight the terrorists there, we'll fight them here, which is a total just talking point nonsense. I did not fit in there well at all ideologically. So Roger Ailes actually put me over at Channel 5 because it was a less ideological place. Those are some good years, very good years for me. Um, and I really am, I critique I critique what I see on air and what I, my sense of these individuals. A lot of them got there after I, I was there. It, uh, something tell, oh, shoot, did we just, did I just hang up on her? Shoot, shoot. Well, you know what? I would, uh, I hope she sticks around to watch channel, uh, whatever channel we're on at 10 o'clock. That's when my show comes on. It varies cable to cable system, right? It varies cable to cable system. Um, all right. I told you about my drinking water thing. That's working out very well. Oh, and you know what else I'm doing for the first time in a long time? Jumping rope. Jumping rope. It is a great workout. It's intense. Uh, 90 seconds in. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I'm jumping rope like a champ. I'm jumping rope like Apollo Creed for a good 
60, 70 seconds, and then they got to stop. But uh, I'm told this is a good way to get shredded. Is that the word now? Shredded. You got to get shredded. That means really, really cut up. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but one day, one day that would be nice. All right, so... Hey, actually, let's hear, you know, I haven't told you too much about the backstory with the Trump interview. First of all, here's Donald Trump with me, Greg Kelly, cut 35. They're using uh, law enforcement and they're using uh, the DOJ and the FBI as retribution, something that has never happened anywhere near what's going on right now. What they're doing in terms of DOJ, FBI, law enforcement to politics is nobody's ever seen anything like it. Nobody has. Nobody has. And by the way, so going there, interviewing the president's a big deal. And everybody, everybody you work with kind of freaks out about it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Very easy to fall prey to that. Very easy to get caught up and get nervous and get all worked up about. There's no reason to get worked up. And it quite frankly, not to. Well, it made me think of the time I had to land on an aircraft carrier for the very first time. Uh, I knew how to do that except for the part of actually landing on the boat. I knew how to take off. I knew how to fly. I knew how to fly in formation. I knew how to land, but never on a boat. And I was only going to feel like I was landing on a boat for about 12 seconds. So I said, I'll worry about that when it when I get there. All right? I'll worry about that. With Donald Trump, there was nothing really to worry about. Number one, I've interviewed him a lot. Granted, it was only on the phone. There's something about it in person that everybody else – you ever been in a situation where everybody else gets all worked up and it starts to rub off on you? Uh, fortunately I recognized that and I was able to kind of turn it off and, uh, kind of tune myself out from all the noise and just had a great conversation with him. So pleased. A lot of people thought it was, uh, a special kind of interview. I, I can't put my finger on it. I agree with them. There was something very, very special. Um, man, they keep coming after this guy. Hey, are they going to throw out? I guess a mistrial was not declared in the nut job E. Jean Carroll's lawsuit against Trump. And she is a nut. Did I tell you how she called John Johnson an ape? And she actually put it in her book. Um, I think there's a law against that. Give me a moment. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, identify as transgender. Yes. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Audrey Hale, that shooting from about a month ago now at the Covenant School. All those poor kids and the staff members shot up, and the uh, the assassin, Audrey Hale, transgender, by the way, when it comes to transgenders, sorry, but um, uh, generally speaking, it's the men who want to be women. They're the more violent ones. Uh, the women who want to be men, not as much. But that's a pretty broad generalization. This was a woman who wanted to be a man, Audrey Hale. And in that manifesto, Apparently, it's a very dark, scary type of document. Now, here they are talking about it in kind of general terms. Uh, where's the next thing? They got the um, the police. Uh, oh, we can skip it for now. He basically had a, uh, yeah, here we go. Cut 38, please. 38. 
In the manifesto, there's several different writings about other locations. Uh, there were locations, of, uh, there was uh, talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. Uh, there's it's quite a bit of uh, writing to it. I have not read the whole, the entire manifesto. Our team and the FBI have been working uh, on this. Well, let me see it. We want to see it. We got the Unabomber's manifesto. I want to see this one. I don't care what it does or doesn't do to the transgender uh, community, if they like it or not. This is a... Uh, this is important. All right, Paul in Dutchess County, i got to go in a second. What's up? Uh, how you doing, Greg? I just want to bring something to your attention quick. I came across this video. It's called What Are We Doing to White People? By this kid, Charlie Cheon. It's got about 4 million views, and he's addressing, it says right here, I talked about the rising tide of racial hatred against white people that are, some are refusing to acknowledge is happening. Worth watching. He's he's a really smart kid. He's a law student, and I came across it. And based on what you were saying today, I thought it might be of interest. Yeah, no, thanks very much for uh, telling me about it. Uh, I just looked it up, and uh, it looks interesting. I will check it out because I'm sorry. Racial hatred is wrong, no matter who it's directed against. Uh, no matter who it's directed against. All right, judging somebody for the color of their skin, their ethnicity, that's wrong. And oh, by the way, including when it's done to white people. Uh, Tommy in Brooklyn, yeah. Hey, hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good to talk to you. I haven't heard from you in a while. I haven't talked to you in a while. I was thinking that, you know, Biden said that he was uh, got arrested when he went to Mandela. It was in the 70s, I believe it was. But in 1961, he actually wrote, he was asked by President Eisenhower to come help him write that speech, didn't he? I think that's his next, his next line. What do you think? No, I think that uh, uh, Joe Biden in uh, 1961 was getting crummy grades at uh, Delaware College, all right? I mean, he was not hanging around the White House. He was, uh, but hey, Tommy, thank you. It's good to hear from you again. I do. I got to follow up with you soon. All right, folks, that's pretty much it. Tonight, 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 uh, big show, uh, still putting it all together. And thank you again for coming out to the uh, Women's Republican Club. What a treat. And uh, great to meet a lot of you folks. I just mentioned it, I think, twice on Friday, and they got a very big turnout. Ticket sales went up. I appreciate it. This audience did that. Uh, my book is still out there, and it's um, it's people who read it. I, I tell you what, five-star reviews across the board. Uh, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. And I got to tell you, it's a good chunk of it. I mean, a third of it is really about race in America. It's... Uh, uh, a little bit ahead of its time, in a way, this book. And about 20% of it is about January 6th. I wish a little bit more. I wish I could have written more about January 6th. That might be my next book. Um, because if you go through that January 6th report, and if you just go through the footage, uh, you know, and I know, that um, something is up. All right? I do believe it was a false flag operation. I think it was set up by the Democrats, by the deep state, in an effort to tarnish, if outright, cancel MAGA and Trump. But we had every right to urge our lawmakers to object to the uh, counting, uh, to, to obje- raise objections, and to send those uh, objections to the state capitals, right? However, that Electoral Count Act of 1887, you know they changed it? They changed it, so you can't do that. But that means you could do that before they changed it. And it wasn't changed on January 6th of 2021. So many lies about that. I'll see you tonight at 10 on Newsmax.